Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And this is Storymakers Show. And this episode of Storymakers is brought to you by... Beverages. (laughs) All right. So we have um, a couple of topics today. And the first is... uh, the, ours is not to wonder to know why what's the what's the ours is not to just to know we why. haven't actually started the beverages so that doesn't actually explain what's <laughs> ours happening is here not to something reason why reason why okay so here's the thing there's this idea and i've heard different things so i've heard the idea that like n- nobody is really free unless they can turn down a dinner invitation without an explanation right and that's always been hilarious to me like the idea of being like do you want to come over for dinner tonight no, thank you. <laughs> Just right? <laughs> and um, and yet, t- tell us about the study that you read. So a book called Influence, and so we'll link to that in the show notes, uh, referred, that's where I saw the study, referred to a study where people uh, were in a photocopy line at a college. And so the psychological study basically was that if people just tried to take cuts, people got mad. If people tried to take cuts but said, like, nothing besides, I just need to do this or, or let me go first, then people weren't happy with it. But if people took cuts and gave an explanation, people were happy to let people take cuts. And the odd part was the explanation could be, can I go first? I need to make copies. (laughs) And so it wasn't like it was a great explanation. It was just that it existed. Right. So I, so, so this came up again when somebody recently canceled without explanation. We're not saying who or when or what. Okay. (laughs) Or upon whom. Yes. Um, and we wondered, I wondered, is there some? How does this connect to sort of narrative and to uh, and to this to the question of of why? And I want to say one more thing about why. Well, hopefully we'll have more than one more thing to say. But Thaisa Frank, the author and writing teacher, um, has I've heard her say this great thing about why, and I'll, I may I hopefully we'll get it right. But um, maybe we'll have her on sometime to talk about it and other things. Um, but the idea is that when a when a reader you know, like usually in a workshop or something, says why. I didn't, says I didn't understand, right? I wanted to know why this, or I wanted to know why that. Um, that what they usually mean is that they didn't experience it. Because in fact, if we witness something happening, we believe it. Um, okay, you know, it's interesting because what I, when, when you brought up the topic as a possible thing to explore, I immediately went to my own thoughts about emotional logic okay and so on some level that answer why to me isn't like we didn't believe the action Mm -hmm. but we didn't believe the emotion behind the the action the motivation or we it wasn't clear right so Mm -hmm. i think that for me when we were talking about this study and and the possibilities of the study and how it relates to narrative I think, you know, we are used to watching characters do crazy stuff that we as people never would do. Mm -hmm. But if the emotional logic is there, that is, we understand why they are doing what they are doing, 
will go so many crazy places with characters. Do we imagine that we would do that were we to be in that situation? I don't think so. No, we just understand why they would do it. Yeah, I think you have to have that emotional link, right? And so that's, I use the phrase emotional logic, but I think there has to also be this component of uh, maybe recognition, maybe identification on some level where you can say, I might not make that choice, but I can sure as heck understand how that person got there. Well, here's interesting. Like, so we watched Welcome to Marwen. Mm. Kind of by accident. Basically, the babysitter was arriving and we had we were like, let's go to this movie without time to research it. Don't do that. <laughs> Take the time. <laughs> Say hi to your babysitter. <laughs> so we ended up at this movie, which we knew nothing about. Although apparently it's gotten good reviews in some places. Anyway. Or some, anyway. Um, one of the things about that movie is that um, I did not believe the actions of pretty much any of the women characters. Right. And while some of them were his Barbie dolls and he was manipulating them, then I believed that. I believed he might make them do those things. But the real life women were also making really stupid choices that seemed only motivated by his imagination. Right. There's a scene, for example, where he's lying on the floor and screaming and the woman who is his neighbor, who has just left a, an abusive relationship, decides this is the time I'm going to go knock on your door. Hey, I hear you screaming. I hear I you hear screaming. screaming. I thought you were saying more gumbo. Were you saying? It was just uh, so weird and ridiculous. And you were just like, okay, so first of all, she would just call the police if she was concerned about the screaming across the way. She, Except for it did turn out the end that he that her ex-boyfriend was a police officer so, so that might explain why, why she didn't <laughs> but you see we didn't understand why she would make that choice and that's what i'm saying like honestly she could have still made that exact choice but we didn't know her enough as a character to understand why she would do that so then we're starting to think well she wouldn't do that she's a human being she wouldn't make that choice because she's been through all these things that we do know about her however if we had seen that one crucial bit of evidence that let us know that she has unresolved issues about abuse or about not and that she's people a or not you know right or or whatever but something that then contextualizes her drive we wouldn't make that choice but right. we would really understand why she makes that choice and what oh. it felt instead it was that it was because the it was convenient for the the auteur exactly <laughs> it was his it was his fantasy the film right. was his fantasy. Yes. You know, it's, and it was a fantasy about this crazy guy and the guy's fantasies. Mm-hmm. And um, well, you know, and the trouble is you see these things and I think the people who liked the film were sort of wooed by the special effects of it. Well, and there weren't that many because... Well, the whole thing, the whole I mean, Barbie not, I don't world mean there weren't special, that many special effects. effects. I mean, there weren't that many people who liked the film. Okay. So let's look at the relationship between the need for emotional logic mm-hmm. and, and, and I'll, I want to circle back to, to the Thaisa thing for a moment, but anyway, and this, and this idea that we will accept almost anything with some explanation, even mm-hmm. if the explanation is tautological, right. um, there's something that seems very rude about not having an explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and I, I guess what I want to just tack on about Thaisa's um, idea, which I would love to have her articulate better but is that 
what we don't want to do to fix a, a question about why is go back and explain necessarily. No, I think it's dependent on, and this is, it's interesting because I think there's some ways in which screenwriting and uh, like a novel or prose writing are different because screenwriting, you have to show everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that in novel writing, you actually have the opportunity to use so many things <laughs> to not just interior, narration. not just like, here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm thinking, but using your setting, using your right. sentence length, Absolutely. using Which you the, do in film too. You do in this, you do. Not in the certainly. screenplay maybe, but certainly in the shooting of it and the, and the building the set. And right. And you have certain things, but the, thinking about those tools, because that I would actually encourage people to look at, as you were saying, like, don't just go in and say, you know, she was always a lonely child. If you have a series of sentences that um, like the sentence rhythm and length themselves reflect an emotional state. Right. As do the descriptions and so forth. Mm -hmm. It's interesting um, because I'm listening to uh, My Year of Rest and Relaxation by Otessa Moschweg and... um, a lot of the pleasure is sort of trying to figure out why and and also then coming to understand why the character is making the choice she's making which is basically to drug herself through a year of sleeping um you know in her apartment and and anyway and so you're you get backstory and you you're trying to figure out like and she has a motivation she wants to sell a non-fiction book where (laughs) she's like i'm I'm gonna sleep for a year this is my year of sleeping well what's really brilliant about it and i'm in the middle of it so you know but is is that um one i mean this is sort of this is tangential although it's something i thought would be interesting to talk about so why is she doing this so one is she has an idea about it which is she thinks that she might be able to heal herself mm-hmm. by doing this, that she might actually come out of this like, and not be in the sort of bad place that she is. So she's actually, and, and I think this is really important because I've come to believe that when people talk about likability, they're actually talking about active characters. They're not really talking about characters doing sympathetic things. They're talking about characters taking action on their own behalf. And so I'm thinking, how, how, how is this character sleeping away a year sort of likable and she because she's not likable in all ways she's not something i would necessarily like be like oh i so want to be friends with this person but she, even though what her actions are are drugging herself and like you know and having these she has this crazy crazy psychiatrist so she like we see her getting the drugs from her and do you know and the woman keeps forgetting that both her the young the, the narrator's parents are dead and she keeps forgetting that and saying like what are your or maybe check with your mom about this or whatever and she keeps saying to her my parents are dead so it's just all these ways that you can see like she does want someone to pay attention she does you know she's not mm-hmm. just trying to um or she's not not doing anything she's trying very hard to accomplish something even though she has these very limited tools and so it becomes very mm-hmm. um strangely like action-packed yes. do you know what i mean yeah I don't know. I mean, I'm suddenly connecting. Uh, I'm sure we've talked about him before. Simon Sinek's Start With Why. And that's really geared what, towards yeah, businesses. It's okay. a business book. Uh, but he's so, like, so understand why your business, why you want to do this thing? or But you lead your conversations with your consumers with that driving motivation. Why do you do what you do? So why do they do what the they difference, do or why do the 
why does the company that okay. you are right. the company yeah. why does the company do what it does mm-hmm. and he's got a great youtube video it's pretty concise it kind of breaks down his thinking mm-hmm. about it but the idea is like you know you people are not moved by certain things they're not moved by uh the number of you know teraflops this particular processor can work at or whatever what they're moved by is a story, and I think this is why it's so prevalent now in marketing, but what they're moved by is this idea of why does Apple, when it was doing really well, do what it does? Mm-hmm. And it is now doing, it's a computer company, sure, <laughs> but it's much more a bringing design into the world in a particular way, mm. right? So their drive is to is elegance almost and, mm. and creativity and difference and mm. those different aspects of character. So when you talk about likability, for me, again, it's, that, it's, it's being able to recognize at least some aspect of yourself in that character. And that that is more important than likability. Recognizing, but it's funny because we kind of keep circling back to recognize some aspect of yourself or, I mean, or is it, or, you know, we talked about, do we understand why they're doing what they're doing? I don't think you can understand why someone does something without recognizing some aspect of yourself. You personally may not make those choices, but you fully understand that rage. You personally may not make those choices, but you fully understand that desperation. what gives you to understand it? Without, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If it's not quite identification, what is it? Well, I think it is some aspect. You recognize some aspect of yourself. Okay. So like, an example yeah. is for me when I read all of them, I think Fox News is terrible about yeah. this. If you're on the Apple News thing, like Fox News is always pushing out random person kills her children, random person. You know, it's like, what is that? You mean, why is that news? Yeah. yeah, like why do they keep pumping those particular stories? Uh-huh. Um, and then I guess it could be because I click on them. But <laughs> the, uh. those stories draw me in part because I think I am fascinated by the level of desperation someone would have to be in to make that choice. But beyond that, I think that I recognize like my own places of despair in that kind of action like where is where are the moments of hopelessness where are the Mm -hmm. moments of this isn't going to get better and no one's going to help me i think i think it was sheree moraga who did some was talking about medea and saying you know it's that isn't actually homicide it's suicide like the, the idea that to kill to kill your own children she sort of wanted to reframe it that in a way it's it's that kind of interesting you bring that up because I think that my re- you know and I I will defer to Sheree Moraga's reading <laughs> just gonna say that my reading of it when I read it when I was in school as a young queer person and really understanding here is Medea taken from her home right like she's gone to this place with Jason this is not her home right she wasn't killing herself. She was destroying his legacy. So that I, I do think that the way that we perceive children was very different at different moments. And um, those children represented his hope. She destroyed his new bride with the poison dress. 
She destroyed his history and future in one go. Yes, a while, total environmentalist reading of this. While at the same time laying the way for her own escape. She's off to Athens. She's off with people who are going to take care of her and protect her. Jason has nothing he can do at that moment. And everyone in my class was just aghast that she would make that choice. And I think, you know, was it suicide? Maybe, but I, uh, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't even homicide. What I think it was was um, almost like patricide. She killed everything around him. He had no way to move forward from there. Mm. Um, but what's intense about that, you know, the dilemma there is that she had to kill her children in order to kill his children. Well, absolutely, but we've all been angry, right? I mean, and that's the <laughs> thing. Saying? Like, where where some people were like they they couldn't read that play and connect with Medea, mm. right? Mm-hmm. They couldn't connect with Medea. Whether I connected correctly or not, I felt rage mm-hmm. in my life that would allow me to think, I want to burn everything, and I don't care if I die in the process, right? That kind of mm-hmm. anger, right? Uh, and 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 without doing those actions, she was utterly trapped, and he was uh-huh. utterly triumphant. So there wasn't mm-hmm. a sort of mid, there wasn't a shared custody option here, right? All right, um, hmm, let's hmm. move wandering let's down Medea Lane. Circle back. So so what? Okay, so so we've got the business. You know, know why, know why, know your purpose. Right. And I actually think that that would, you know, I always talk about the limiting belief. I talk about, you know, how these things intersect with theme. And I think that uh, understanding the thing that's important to you about any particular work is going to guide you in in connecting. So sometimes I think the main reason your reader isn't connecting with your reader, your character is because one of two reasons. One, you haven't connected with your character, mm-hmm. and so you haven't really thought about how they are feeling in any given moment and not given your reader access. And the other is you're overconnected with your character, and so that you end up feeling like things that are on the page that aren't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That seems obvious to you, yes. but it's not there. <laughs> I will say that I was talking with Ellen Sussman this morning in exercise class uh-huh. about... Um, a question that a reader had about um, motivation, like why is she so angry at him at this point, you know? And and Ellen was saying, look, you know, she's like, I always make it so hard for myself, but sometimes I see that what people do is they just say, they just have him say to her, why are you so angry, right? And then, <laughs> I mean, it's sort of the hang a lantern on it. If something is a giant coincidence, you say, this is a crazy coincidence. and um, and the idea of bringing out those questions, why, you know, and, and, and bringing them to the surface. So that one option is to actually, if that's kind of haunting the text, mm-hmm. to surface it. Yes. Um, but anyway, I, um, so it's okay. So it's, so, and so it's about getting clear on the character's motivation. Well, and staying true to its emotional state. Mm-hmm. Because that's going to change over time. The character. Yeah, so even if you're, you know, you... Like when we're like, we're going to lose weight. We're going to go exercise every single day. It's usually because we've had a scare of some kind. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. Then we start exercising. 
we're feeling better, we're less scared, we taper off, you know, and so the emotional place that your character is is going to impact where they and how they make choices. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think that... So why is it, so what is, so the part where it's rude, it's rude mm -hmm. for somebody to say, no, thank you. But also it's, you know, the, there's the other idea of it's super empowering to be able to just say, oh, no, thank you, supposedly. Um, but, but it means, I mean, it's empowering in the sense that it, it's almost, you know, fuck you, right? Like, well, no, <laughs> because, you know, certainly for those of us who are raised a particular way, you are probably feeling like I think the reason a lot of women have a hard time just saying no without explanation is because safety often depends on being able to communicate I want to be with you <laughs> but I can't right I think that's a big underlying factor for a lot of kind of conversations Vanessa Edwards in the creative life class has that great three-act letter or uh uh, basically, it, when you're declining something, mm -hmm. you start with, thank you so much for inviting me. I, you know, I won't be joining you. And that's the first two parts. And then the third part is you offer something you are willing to do mm. or say. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, I think, you know, we all want to understand why someone would make a choice uh, not to see us because we're fantastic. <laughs> that drive to understand why that that really gets our backs up when we don't when somebody doesn't offer that uh -huh. that that is connected to the way in which we're wired for story, right? That is connected to the way in which we need to in order to survive. Can I take we need that? To understand I need to make copies. Yeah. <laughs> well, we need to understand the world. The world needs to make sense to us in order for us to survive to some extent. Mm -hmm. And so when we're given an explanation when we're given a story when we're given an emotional satisfaction we can move forward uh when we're just when something happens and we don't have that underlying that backstory that explanation that motivation that purpose uh we feel upset affronted lost so there's some need for us to understand mm -hmm. and i think it's a survival need and i think it's why we but need i don't story. think i think it's very different for different positions of power relative to the why question. Can you say more? I think that for people who have a lot of power in our cultural context, mm -hmm. it's perhaps rude to say no if they hear it. If they say no, oh, it's for a, them to say no. It's perhaps somewhat rude, so but it's too. not, it doesn't carry a risk. Like, what are you going to do? If you are a person who's in a power negotiation with someone else, to say no without explanation is a risk. And so I think that um, it's not just that we are collectively, you know, wired for story. But I do think explanation is also a strategy. I mean, I think about, um, oh my gosh, now I'm, now I'm remembering pretending to be my friend, Yaw, and 
going to Brandeis University, pretending I was... So my friend Yaw was at Harvard, and I ran out of money while I was there, so I pretended visiting to be her, her while I was visiting her. You look quite a bit alike. Less so now. <laughs> She's very healthy. But um, anyway, so I pretended to be Yaw and did a catering gig, which pretty much just meant putting out cookies. At Brandeis, and while I was there, the speaker was talking about uh, sort of Jewish humor and the uses of it. And the joke I remember from the entire thing was about a guy who's you know riding on a bus. A Jewish guy's riding on a bus, and um, you know he's already feeling kind of car sick. It's kind of fumy in the bus and whatever. And the bus stops, and people get on, get on, get on. He keeps going. It's getting warmer. He's feeling sicker. Finally, this big, giant sailor guy gets on the bus, and the only seat available is the one next to our hero. And so the guy sits down, and he smells so bad. He smells so bad. The bus keeps going. Our character is like, oh my God, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. And he's trying to really figure out how he can deal with this impending vomit. And he's looking around. There's no way to get out. He's trying to think about how he can get over the guy. He can't get over the guy. He thinks maybe I can just hold it to the next stop. He can't. And suddenly he just yaks and he throws up all over the big giant sailor guy. And the big giant sailor guy wakes up and he's like, oh my God, what have you done? And the Jewish guy looks at him and says, feel better. <laughs> so the idea is sort of always when there are issues of power, explanation is critical to survival. It's story. Maybe it is story. Mm -hmm. Maybe the reason why is the story. It reminds me of Neil Gaiman's Fortunately the Milk, where uh -huh. the dad comes back late and he's telling the two kids why he was late when he went down the block to get the milk. Right. And he has this fantastic tall tale, shaggy dog story. Mm -hmm. Right? So, so maybe that's... I'm looking for this link. And maybe that's right. the link. Is that understanding why is what story offers. Understanding why? Why things happen. Why people do what they do. Why so things are the way they are. Why, story, why we need to act. Story offers why. Mm -hmm. And why equals empathy. So when we understand why, we then can feel empathy instead of rage. Right. I mean, like if Jason had said to Medea, look, here's why I'm doing <laughs> Let's just sit down and talk about it. You've been really angry lately. She just really likes me. And truthfully, if I married her, I could be the mayor. <laughs> Sharon Olds has some really sad poems that kind of about kind of her husband leaving her and for somebody else. And, you know, and, but kind of, but kind of her understanding his happiness. I don't know. There it's dark. And, and complex maybe and human. yeah yeah i think there's a lot to think about with why yeah all right well as we uh so you think about your why well and this is actually going to come out on new year's day i believe is the next mm -hmm. tuesday so that's a time to think about the stories uh of your new year i mean that in some ways goal setting is 
is stories, making up stories about the future. Maybe we should do our next one on goal setting. All right. I like it. I like it. That'll come out like a week after. Yeah, but most of these people will be hung over the day of, thank- of uh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. The day of New, New Year's. Year's. I don't so. think everybody will be. They just might be less well-rested than normal. Right. Go have a good time, and now it's after, so you have or you haven't. But now it's the beginning of a new year. Happy New Year to you. So let's wrap up here with Steal This. And actually, I found the quote, and it was much longer than amateur poets <laughs> by a professional poet Steal, but I don't have it on me. So Steal This is actually pithy and... Uh, and modified. Yes. Anyway... That's the whole point. The whole point is you take it and you make it your own. Mm-hmm. You stop quoting. So what's something you're taking stuff. that you saw this week and you're making your own? Well, I think I'm thinking a lot as I'm deep in uh, the year, my year of rest and relaxation about the way that it consolidates a lot of what I've been thinking and practicing and learning about this whole year, which is um, this deep kind of this the the synthesis or the antithesis thesis antithesis synthesis piece and i'm still in the middle of it but it's mm-hmm. just you know this character who's trying to just absent herself from the world and from her own experience right through these through medicated sleeping she actually starts uh doing stuff in her sleep she starts mm. like sleepwalking and ordering things and talking to people and having this This whole... is really hideous, but I read a book about a woman who had uh, dissociative identity disorder mm-hmm. and one of them would get up in the night and clean. Oh, is that hideous? I, I mean, it's just hideous. Much. I think that would be okay. Consider that was just, it. That, Consider it. It's just like, oh my God, that's amazing. If I could wait, you know, if I could sleep clean, that'd right. be amazing. That would be excellent. That so. would be excellent. And that's one reason why I like to read clean with audiobooks. But um, but since we don't have a sponsorship, I'll just leave. <laughs> and just I will say you can get them through your local library as well. But what? audiobooks. Yes. But my point is, um, I think that this what is so brilliant about this book is again, it's oh we this, we were sort of going to touch on this, but it's not. Um, these giant, you know, battles and car chases and or even, you know, Medea level. I mean, right. It's it's this. I mean, she does have the tragedy of her parents' deaths and blah, blah, and that really they were kind of awful when they were alive, too. But um, but it's, you know, it's the small action of her drugging herself through this year mm-hmm. and. Um, and the ways that she's rebelling or needs other things or want, or hopes this will heal her. So, you know, the whole thing is so powerful. And that she so becomes... So what are you feeling? Well, the, the way that the knot of character is mm-hmm. what moves and makes significant the events and makes them seem large, even though they are ordering Chinese food in your sleep. Right. Right? That how can that be some sort of major action of a scene? And yet... It feels significant. The stakes feel high because it's about the character's struggle. Like if someone was having hallucinations. Are we are we circling back to my book? <laughs> yes, I'm thinking about all of that. Oh, we didn't even talk about what we were working on. We're so backwards. Okay. All right. Well, let's continue on with Steal This. Well, I think everyone is talking about goal planning this year. And one of the things that I have 
been doing is actually going back through my Tony Robbins personal power which I got in the 90s so everything's on a CD um, and I think there's some really do you need to good explain stuff. what a CD is for our I know CD stands really for compact we don't know that much about disc. the demographic of our listeners you know what we don't know you but we love you <laughs> Anyway, one of the things that he really does well is talk about reframing the meaning of something. And that comes from NLP. And I am really thinking about uh, thinking about projects for the upcoming year and the things that I am wanting to do. And it was funny because I was talking to your sister the other day. And the truth is I love learning. I love the process of learning. I am less attached to the last 10 yards of a project than I am to the first 90 and so looking forward to the year, I am wanting to think about like, what are the kinds of projects I can do repeatedly so that I'm continually learning, I'm continually having that learning piece. Um, and what I was gonna say is um, that reframing the value of a project from the end product to the process mm. which is inherent to how I am but when you look at your life and you're like what is my body of work and you're like well I've got 75 90% completed projects that doesn't feel good right it doesn't feel like oh I've done something and yet you've done a boatload right <laughs> so trying to figure out how to reframe the finishing part and what does that look like and how to move forward so this week I am going to reframe uh, the inability to complete projects. I just want to say, because I'm making this list of all the books I read this year, and there are 15 books that I have not finished. You know, there, there are something like 54 books I read and 15 books I'm in the middle of. And what I'm actually doing is like, okay, I have three more days, and <laughs> how many of those can I finish so that they can go on to the official books I read slash listened to list. Yes. So there is something about finishing that might need to be externally motivated or... Yes. Or maybe there's something to learn in that, in that last lap. Mm -hmm. Something exciting to learn. I Well, I think so, obviously. But anyway, <laughs> there you go. That's my steal this for this All week right. is reframe. Happy New Year, everybody. We're going to talk more about goal setting next week. So enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. Keep writing. Enjoy Keep thinking. Music. Keep reading. And we'll see you in 2019. Which it is on this episode. Oh. Well, we'll see you on January 8th. Later. <laughs>